If you have primary school-aged kids or grandkids, make sure Vision Kids is part of their daily routine. Vision Kids! Vision Kids is a 24-7 online radio stream featuring the ever-popular Adventures in Odyssey. Hi, this is Chris. Welcome to Adventures in Odyssey. Plus other world-class radio dramas, kids' music and friendly voices. G'day, Vision Kids. Vision Kids is streaming now in the Vision app and online at visionkids.org.au. You can also tell your smart speakers to play Vision Kids Radio. If you don't already have the Vision app on your phone or tablet, you can download it for free when you search Vision Christian Media in your app store. Vision Kids. Another way we're helping the whole family look to God daily. Life, culture and current events from a biblical perspective. 2020 on Vision. Well, so many of us look forward to Tuesday because it's an opportunity to update those breaking news headlines as they come from the nation of Israel and more broadly throughout the Middle East. Big issues have been developing overnight. Ron Ross has been scouring the headlines. Ron's back with us. Ron, welcome back to 2020. Good morning, Neil. Ron, let's start with uh, the headline, Uh, US President Joe Biden has welcomed the Jordanian King Abdullah to the White House. Uh, What's the detail here? Yeah, King Abdullah, who faced down a challenge to his authority in April from his half-brother Prince Hamza, held Oval Office talks with Biden today. He'll also have a working breakfast with Vice President Harris at the Vice President's residence followed by a meeting with Secretary of State Blinken at the State Department. Abdullah is the first Middle East leader to visit the White House for Biden and will be followed in July 26 by Iraqi Prime Minister Mustafa al-Kadimi. U.S. and Israeli officials are currently working on scheduling a meeting between Biden and new Israel Prime Minister Naftali Bennett. A senior Biden administration official said... The president talks with the king included the way forward for Israel and the Palestinians. Tensions remain high in the wake of the 11-day war in May between Israel and Hamas and other Gazan terrorists. Jordan's image as an island of stability in the turbulent Middle East was called into question after Prince Hamza was accused of plotting to destabilize the country in April. Biden has offered full support to Abdullah who was joined at the White House by his wife, Queen Rania. Ron, let's turn our attention to COVID in Israel. A headline today where the Israeli Prime Minister Naftali Bennett has called an emergency meeting to address a four-month high in daily COVID cases. What's the situation there? Yeah, this causes grave concern because it targets Delta variant very carefully. The highly contagious Delta has doubled the number of seriously ill patients in just two weeks, with over 5,800 active cases and 99 patients hospitalised. The spread of the contagious Delta variant has led to a four-month peak in daily coronavirus infections in Israel, with more than 800 cases reported by Friday. As of Friday morning, there were 5,817 active cases in Israel, with 99 patients hospitalised. Of those, 18 were in critical condition and 17 were on ventilators. The ministry also recorded a sharp increase in the number of patients in serious conditions 
due to the spread of the Delta strain. The number of seriously ill patients went from 25 just two weeks ago to 52 cases reported Friday. Similarly, the number of active cases went from an average of 3,700 last week to 5,800 this week. Bennett has announced he will be convening an emergency meeting with top health, defence and transportation officials to discuss the alarming spike in morbidity. Well, I know a lot of uh, medicos and politicians have been watching the Israel experiment and have certainly been world leaders by way of vaccination, so people will be watching carefully there that uh, that idea of a, a spike, a four-month high in daily COVID cases. Hey, let's turn our attention to another headline in Ramallah, U.S. lawmakers have confronted Mahmoud Abbas over the Palestinian Authority Pay for Slay program. What's happened there, Ron? Yeah, 10 U.S. Congress members met Palestinian Authority President Mahmoud Abbas in Ramallah last week in what they described as a tense discussion that involved a dressing down over the Palestinian Authority's Pay for Slay policy, which rewards terrorists and their families. Breitbart News reported... Abbas last month ordered that the family of a Palestinian terrorist who murdered two Israelis be paid 42,000 US dollars and be given new houses, marking the first high-profile payments to terrorist families since they were told not to do it. A new report released last week said 2020 saw an increase of $83,000 paid out as part of the Palestinian Authority policy bringing the total, the annual amount awarded to $182.82 million US dollars. The Palestinians view the money as a form of welfare and a national responsibility, and Abbas has in the past vowed his government will continue to pay salaries to terrorists and their families, even if we only have a penny left. A pretty important headline to draw attention to this morning, Ron, around uh, attitudes within the Christian church towards Israelis. The Church of England has apologised for anti-Semitism. How does this one look? Well, this is a very big story in Israel. The Church of England announced that it intends to apologise to the Jewish community for its role in promoting anti-Semitism, which culminated in the expulsion of Jews from England in the year 1290, despite the fact that the church was not established until centuries later. According to the Telegraph, the church plans to perform a symbolic repentance during a service on the 800-year anniversary of the Synod of Oxford. The 1222 Synod of Oxford set forth a number of discriminatory laws aimed at the Jewish community, including that Jews must wear badges, differentiating them from Gentiles, and pay higher taxes than other citizens. The Church of England will take responsibility for general Christian anti-Semitism in England that predates its establishment as the institution came into being in 1534. The phrase, better late than never, is truly appropriate. Dave Ritchie, policy director of the Jewish watchdog group Community Security Trust said. He added the historic trauma of medieval English anti-Semitism can never be erased and its legacy survives today. For example, through the persistence 
of the blood libel allegation that was embedded in this country. But at the time of rising anti-Semitism, the support and empathy of the Church of England for our Jewish community is most welcome as a reminder that the Britain of today is a different place, he said. Ron, let's just pause and reflect on this for just a few moments. Anytime church Christianity is going to be accused of anti-Semitism is an important moment. Is there a positive side to this story, do you think, that there is humility in the Church of England to apologise, and even if it is a symbolic repentance for something that's 800 years old, is, is that a positive thing, do you think? I found it very interesting when I lived in Jerusalem if I said to any Jewish man or woman that I repented for anti-Semitism, they would say to me, but you didn't do it. And they were thinking back to years gone by. And I think although this is symbolic, I think it's very uh, accepted as a very important step in Israel. I find it very hard to evangelize in Israel when the Jews feel that we blame them for the crucifixion of Christ. When, in fact, if he is God, no one could overrule his decision. So it's a very interesting step, and I think a very progressive one. Ron, let's finish off with the last headline to talk about today. A five-letter inscription written 3,100 years ago may be the name of a judge mentioned in the Bible. What's this story about? There are excavations in the Judean foothills uncovered a small jug from 1100 BCE that could be inscribed with Jeroboam, first evidence of a name from the Book of Judges on a contemporary artefact. If correct, this would be the first hard evidence of a name from the biblical stories of the Judges that is on an artefact contemporary to that period. The inscription was published as part of the second issue of the Jerusalem Journal of Archaeology. According to a cross-institutional team of archaeologists, the partial inscription, painted on three pottery sheds from an incomplete small vessel, is most logically read as Jeroboam, which was the nickname of the biblical judge Gideon, son of Joash, who was active in the northern parts of the land of Israel during that era. Well, that is very significant. And for listeners, of course, it was the judges who preceded the kings in the governance of Israel after the children of Israel took the promised land. So very significant if it is Jerubal and the nickname, as you say, of Gideon, who's one of the best known and righteous judges of the children of Israel. Ron, great insights as always. Thanks so much for scouring the headlines. You bring us such value every week. Appreciate you and uh, we'll catch up again next week on 2020. Thank you, Neil. Thanks for taking time to listen to this audio on demand from Vision Christian Media. To find out more about us, go to vision.org.au.